What is going on, Laker fans? Thank you very much for tuning in. Another uh, edition of Lakers Talk on this uh, Monday night. A um, lot to get into. I uh, appreciate everybody being a part of the show. We'll go till 8 p.m. tonight, and uh, Jovan Buhav, the Athletics, is going to come on at 7.30. We'll talk a little bit about some of the some of the news this morning that went down. Um, I got a lot to get into. I'm going to spend a little time, obviously, talking about that report uh, this morning. Kyrie Irving desires for the Mavericks to explore some type of trade for LeBron James. I know that's going to take up a good amount of the conversation today. Uh, but there's other stuff I want to get into as well. I want to talk about if the perception of Anthony Davis has changed at all through his playoff run that he had this year. Um, what do the Lakers do with their draft picks? You going all in? Are you still – how much are you thinking about the future? How much are you thinking about just next season? Um, of course, we'll spend some time on the NBA Finals as well. The Denver Nuggets, Miami Heat, series tied at one apiece. A little surprised how everybody just kind of dismissed the Miami Heat as if they had no chance of doing anything in this in these playoffs. And then here they go yesterday, uh, go on the road and get a uh, big-time W against the uh, Denver Nuggets. So a lot to get into. A quick shout-out here. Valvoline Instant Oil Change, always a proud partner of Lakers Talk. Just visit SoCalOilChange.com for location and game winning coupons off your next Valvoline Instant Oil Change don't procrastinate. Get that work done at Valvoline Instant Oil Change, and they will take good care of you. Um, okay, so let, let's start with what, what went down a little bit earlier today. There were two reports that came out, one from Sham Sharania of The Athletic, and that was uh, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving has reached out to Lakers star LeBron James in attempts to see if James would come to Dallas. Irving is a free agent this offseason, so obviously that's the, uh, that's the big one that went down this morning. Um, so I, I got, I got some thoughts here. Let me, let me kind of share my perspective. If you want to be a part of the show, just hit me up on Twitter at Alan Sliwa. That's at Alan Sliwa. Um, got some thoughts on the, on the tweet and, uh, and certainly the article that, uh, Chris Haynes eventually put up on Bleacher Report in regards to, uh, the conversation. Let me, let me just look at this first from a perspective of the Dallas Mavericks, and then, you know, obviously I'll spend a, a weight of my time talking about it from a Laker perspective. Here's what I think is the most important thing. Um, if you're the Dallas Mavericks, you're trying to keep Luka happy. Uh, I think the, you know, I think I said it last week when I did Lakers talk. I said that I believe that the Dallas Mavericks will be the team that re-signs Kyrie Irving, that Kyrie Irving will end up as a Dallas Maverick because, A, they already traded for him. They gave up those picks. They're obviously trying to be very aggressive, keep Luka happy. And now they got to rebuild the team around Luka and Kyrie, and that's what they're going to try to do. It didn't happen right at the trade deadline. The team was awful. They played no defense. They gave up some of the good role players that they had. Dorian Finney-Smith is a good example of it. And um, and now they're you know obviously trying to retool in the offseason. To go make a run at LeBron James, okay, I get that. It, it makes sense to me. Now, I don't know who's going to play defense on that team, but, um, you know, to to try to maybe show to Luka, too, that, listen, we're not just sitting here and content with not making the playoffs or being a quick out or whatever the case is. They're trying to create a big three, and which is really tough under that new collective bargaining agreement. Um, I, I know from what I've seen already is that Kyrie and LeBron would have to take probably sizable pay cuts to make it work. So the chances of it happening, probably not the greatest, but I understand the Kyrie trying to get uh, LeBron James to the Dallas Mavericks. I understand the Dallas Mavericks trying to figure out a way to create a big three. There'd be a huge buzz. Everybody would be watching the Dallas Mavericks. 
certainly there would be from a perspective of um, national presence and everything. It would be they would be the team to watch. Ticket sales would be great. The whole thing. Now let me play this from a more important perspective, which is the Los Angeles Lakers perspective. LeBron James still has two years left with the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, um, this upcoming year, I think he's going to make just under $47 million. Then he has a player option for next year for over $50 million. Um, that's his current That's his current contract with the Lakers. So the only way he could really, you know, yes, he could get traded. He can ask for some type of a buyout. I mean, the only thing this really happens is if LeBron – really just wants to leave the Lakers and has no more interest of playing for the Lakers and wants to move on. And listen, maybe maybe that is the case. Maybe LeBron James decides, hey, I'm good to go. I've uh, I've already accomplished everything I can with the Los Angeles Lakers. I won an NBA championship with the Lakers. I'm ready to move on and to uh, and to kind of churn the page on uh, the organization and, and try something else somewhere else. Um, here's the problem with that. The problem with that is... The Lakers, at least as constructed today, no question about it, give uh, LeBron James the best chance to compete right now. And let me let me properly explain this. If the Lakers came off another, if this was one year ago and Russ was still on the team and the Lakers had won 33 games and it looked like there was no direction and they weren't too sure about, hey, do we give up the 2027 pick, the 2029 pick? and it seemed like doom and gloom, and there was just no way of getting out of the mess the Lakers were in, okay, fine, I understand that. But that is not the case. The Lakers are coming off a Western Conference Finals berth. They got to the Western Conference Finals. I know Denver swept them, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not sitting here trying to sell that the Lakers uh, were better than the Denver Nuggets. They clearly weren't. But the Lakers also got through the Memphis Grizzlies, got through the Golden State Warriors, got to Denver, and were in every single game. Um, It's not like the Lakers were getting blown out by 30 every game and everyone at crypto was leaving at halftime because they knew that the Lakers had no chance. That was not the case. Close games in pretty much every game in the fourth quarter going into crunch time. So with all that being said, I got a very difficult time trying to understand why the Lakers, from their perspective, would – entertain a trade of LeBron James to the Dallas Mavericks, another Western Conference team, and entertain a trade where they're coming off a Western Conference Finals berth. Why wouldn't the Lakers just decide, wait a minute here, why don't we just make some tweaks to our roster? Why don't we look at um, areas that we can improve on? Why don't we look at all the players that we got since the trade deadline and make determinations of which one should stay and which one should go? Why don't they look at the roster and say, wait a minute, we could just come into training camp with the exact same roster, take our chances there, and it's a far better team than it was starting last year, so they'll be better in the standings, the continuity would be better, the chemistry would be better. Um, There's a lot that I could take away from the Los Angeles Lakers coming off this Western Conference Finals berth, and I think that they can add to, that they could grow to. Um, the, the tweaks that I'm talking about, all right, maybe it's not, let me just use as an example. Maybe it's not D'Angelo Russell. Okay. Maybe it is D'Angelo Russell to start the year, but then you decide what to do with him the rest of the way, because you need somebody that's going to be more consistent, or you need somebody that you feel like, all right, we need a, a more of a veteran in that position. Um, maybe it's, 
you make some small tweaks before playoffs even or before the training camp even starts and you get into free agency and you get some more vets, some more reliable players, and that could be the difference. Why would the Lakers this year, coming off what they just accomplished, entertain a trade for LeBron James and start the rebuilding process? Why would you do that now? The only case I think you could have made is if you were going to do that a year ago, that would have made more sense. The only case that you could make is if a year ago is if you were saying LeBron James and Anthony Davis cannot win an NBA championship together, nor can they even compete to win an NBA championship together. So for all of those reasons is why we're going to move on. Um, but that is not the case. That's not the case at all. Braun's still putting up crazy numbers. Braun was still spectacular. I mean, in the final game, Lakers get closed out in game four. He had 40-10-9 and played 48 minutes for the Los Angeles Lakers in a closeout game. Um, the, the, the problem is not, hey, you're no longer competing. The problem is not, hey, this thing is over and the Lakers' run is over. Be happy with the championship that you got. Um, that is not the problem. The question now is just, what kind of tweaks do you make around LeBron James and Anthony Davis to improve the roster and to go back at it and to give yourself another opportunity? I don't think anybody's going to think if the Lakers came back with the exact same roster and did not make any changes in the offseason, you don't think there's going to be people that are looking at the Lakers and saying, okay, hey, that's a really good team in the Western Conference. I'm not saying they're going to win it all. I'm talking about that's just a really, really competitive team in the Western Conference. All right. Rob Palenka has proved he can make some tweaks. He can make some changes. He could do some stuff at the trade deadline. Um, They could go out and pick up guys that are um, veterans that have been in the league for a long time and want to, let's say, chase a ring or whatever the case is or want to live in L.A. or want to play with LeBron James. Why now would the Lakers go out and entertain some type of a trade for LeBron James? Um, I think the article is interesting. I think the concept is interesting. I'm sure Kyrie would love LeBron James to play for the Dallas Mavericks. I just don't think it's going to happen. That's the best way that I can put it for you. Um, I, I do believe that the number one priority for the Dallas Mavericks is to try to figure out how to bring Kyrie Irving back. Um, he is, you know, if the Lakers want to go sign Kyrie Irving and it's Braun trying to pitch Kyrie to come here, that seems like a lot easier of a move than to ask LeBron James to go move to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I, I don't, I don't really see, I don't really see it happening. Nor do I see why the Lakers would entertain it. You just got to the Western Conference Finals. You have an opportunity to keep, keep competing for an NBA championship. Why would you do it now? Um, that one is a little bit more difficult for me to understand. Again, if you guys want to hit me on Twitter at Alan Sliwa. At Alan Sliwa, if you want to hit me on Twitter. I already started getting some people um, uh, hitting me back on Twitter. Um, Kyrie being Kyrie, nothing to see here. Um, let's see what else we – you got some people talking about how, you know, this is the time to go make the trade. Um, you got other people saying if it's straight up for Luka, I would do it. Well, it's not for Luka because Luka's going to stay as part of a big three. Dallas is obviously not moving Luka Doncic anywhere. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I look at this and I, I look at it definitely with a lot of hesitation because I just don't think the Lakers would have interest in, in doing some kind of a move here. Um, all right, Laker fans, uh, again, you could hit me on Twitter at Alan Sliwa at Alan Sliwa. We could, uh, continue this conversation as we go and, uh, and take it from there. When we come back, I want to spend a little time, 
um, talking about, there's a few things I want to hit on. Number one I want to hit on is um, Anthony Davis I want to talk a little bit about. This is a good example of the Lakers needing another player to go make things happen on the offensive end, whether that's Kyrie or it's somebody else or whatever the case is. I want to ask Laker fans if Anthony Davis, what he's accomplished so far this past season, changed your perspective at all around AD, or is it still the same? We'll do that coming up next. Stay right here. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Yovan Buha in about 15 minutes. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. I appreciate every. I appreciate everybody being a part of the show. We'll go till uh, 8 o'clock tonight. I mentioned Jovan Buha coming up in about uh, 15 minutes or so. Um... Again, a lot of tweets here on this uh, LeBron James and the Dallas Mavericks and Kyrie Irving trying to make a pitch to or hoping that he could try to uh, sway LeBron James over to uh, Dallas. Listen, it's an interesting conversation. It's a fun conversation. I just don't think it's realistic. I mean, I I don't know what else you want me to tell you. I, I think why would the Lakers go make a trade? Why would they trade Bron now coming off of this season um, I think they're more likely to try, literally, literally more likely to try um, to go make a run to get to the NBA Finals and be a, you know, obviously a true threat in the Western Conference. That to me sounds much more important than training away LeBron and deciding that their championship run is over. Why would their championship run be over? They're just, they're literally coming off making it to the Western Conference Finals. So I, I have a difficult time thinking that the Lakers' run is done. I think they got to make some tweaks. I think they got to make some changes. I think, um, you know, what you decide on D'Angelo Russell, I would love to have a veteran point guard there. I'd love to have a, a point guard that has more championship experience. I'd love to have a point guard that you don't have to take out at the end of games or in critical games because you're not 100% sure what he's going to deliver. Um, I'd love to have that type of player there at point guard. We'll see what happens in the offseason. But the concept and the idea, if you're just tuning in right now, but you saw it this morning, Kyrie Irving wants Dallas Mavericks to trade for LeBron James. Chris Haynes had reported that, and as did Sham Sharani of The Athletic. Um, but I, I just I don't, I don't personally think this is uh, something that the Lakers should entertain or look into at all. Why don't they just tweak their roster and, continuing, and continue to try to compete for an NBA championship? Um, speaking of some tweaking, 
Did Anthony Davis change your perspective after the season, um, or is it still the same? And after this past season, did he change your perspective at all about him? And I want to kind of break down what Anthony Davis did this past year. So, played 56 games for the Lakers, was, um, you know, obviously went down with his injury. If you guys remember, it was December 16th. I remember the date. Lakers were playing the Denver Nuggets, and he went down with an injury, and uh, he ended up missing five weeks. And you just thought at that point in the season, all right, season's over. Yeah, Lakers aren't going to do it. They're already struggling. They already don't have a good enough roster. If AD is out for five weeks, that's a wrap. Ends up coming back after that injury and was really, really good. I mean, really, really good after that injury. And I thought put himself in a position where, um, you know, gave the Lakers obviously a real, real shot at just getting to the playoffs, and then we'll see what happens from there. AD in 56 games this year. I want to point out his regular season numbers and his playoff numbers. 26 points a game in the regular season, um, 34 minutes a game, 56% from the field had 12.5 rebounds, had two block shots. In the postseason, Lakers played 16 games. His numbers came down in some areas and and up in other. His offensive production came down. He went from 26 points a game down to 22.5. His rebounding went up to 14 rebounds a game. His blocks shot up all the way to three blocks a game, um, a steal and a half a game, and uh, shot 52% from the field, played 38 minutes a game. I thought for me, Anthony Davis, for a lot of the questions I had these last couple of seasons, um, my perception on Anthony Davis, once this regular season ended and once the playoffs ended, um, I, I think I learned a little bit about AD. What I learned about Anthony Davis is he will dominate one side of the floor and he'll he's going to do it basically every single night and that he's such an asset on one side of the floor That is how you win an NBA championship is you have a big that can really dictate on the defensive side, not just blocking shots, not just stealing the ball, but just having a presence there like Anthony Davis. Man, he makes it so much more difficult for everybody else and all these other teams around the NBA when you have a player like that. What I also learned about Anthony Davis on the offensive end is I'm not 100% sure what I'm going to get from AD. Um, He averaged 22.5 points a game in the playoffs. That was not enough for the Los Angeles Lakers to make it to the NBA Finals. Clearly, it wasn't. It wasn't enough against the Denver Nuggets. Um, You know, he had some games against Denver, 21 points, 18 points. That's just not enough. But then he'll have the 40-point game or he'll have a 35-point game. And that part for Anthony Davis, I thought, is what I learned the most about AD. That was a difficult, difficult one to kind of scratch my head um, as far as that perspective goes. The perspective was on Anthony Davis was um, this guy is clearly, clearly not a dominant offensive player. He's not calling for the ball. He's not basically telling everybody, everybody get the hell out of my way, let me go to work. That is just not Anthony Davis. It's not in his nature. It's not in his DNA, period. And I don't think that's really going to change. I think that kind of is what Anthony Davis is. Now, I think you need AD to win an NBA championship. I think Anthony Davis and LeBron James, no question about it, still can compete for an NBA championship. I think what it just comes down to with Anthony Davis is this. It comes down to with Anthony Davis, he needs help on the offensive end. He cannot be the go-to player. By the way, you know who who else needs help on the offensive end? LeBron James. 
both of those players. That's why the D'Angelo Russell thing keeps coming up is because he was supposed to be another real scoring threat, and he just wasn't against the Denver Nuggets, and the Lakers had no chance against the Denver Nuggets because of that. So that makes me think a lot more of um, – it makes me think of – why the Lakers, some of the tweaks that they got to make, and you know that's why the report this morning about, hey, trade LeBron James. No, it's not. It, Lakers got to make moves to add to their roster and specifically offensive threats because LeBron will be in his 21st season. Anthony Davis has shown that he can have 40-point nights, but he could also have 15-point nights. You cannot depend on him in a you know night in, night out on the offensive end. You just can't depend on him on the offensive end. They need another real scoring punch. That is going to be a very, very important, I think, critical piece for the Lakers' success moving forward is to add another player on offense for the Lakers um, to, uh, to, to, to be a real threat this upcoming season. That's why I think this offseason is going to be so interesting. So I think for me, when I throw out that question to Laker fans, you hit me on Twitter, did Anthony, Ch- Anthony Davis change your perspective after this season or is it still the same? I learned more about Anthony Davis. I learned that A.D., is still a great player, is still a dominant player, but that dominating role is more on the defensive side. He's more of an asset on what he does on defense than he is or what he brings to the table on offense. Because on offense, he could have nights where he only shoots three or four free throws and he ends up with 17 or 18 points. Now, he could also end up with a 35-point uh, night with 12 free throw attempts. I just don't know how often those are going to come. So I think for the Lakers, I really, really do believe it's about adding another piece on offense that is a real, real threat that is more of a veteran and that you can actually depend on and say, okay, it's not all on Anthony Davis's back. It's not all on LeBron James' back. If those two are not having a night, this individual can go off on any night and give you 20 points, 25 points. And I don't think that answer is D'Angelo Russell, but that is something that, you know, obviously we'll be wait to be we'll, we'll wait to see as far as, um, you know, once the uh, regular season, uh, once we get to the free agency and once we get to the, you know, obviously figuring out what the Lakers do with their roster. But that's what I learned. Um, that's what I learned about Anthony Davis. You need him to win an NBA championship. I'm not about trading Anthony Davis or any of that other stuff, but you need another offensive tool because Anthony Davis is just not going to be a player that I think you could depend on on a night-in, night-out basis there. Um, okay, so... I, I got a couple things here that this I'm going to stay with the Western Conference here for a quick second. Something happened um, over the weekend. I think it was on Friday, maybe on Saturday. I can't remember. Uh, former Lakers head coach Frank Vogel is getting an, another opportunity uh, to coach. So Frank Vogel is signing, and he's not signing with just anybody. He's signing with the Phoenix Suns. He's signing with a team here in the Western Conference uh, he's signing with a team that has Devin Booker, has Chris Paul, has um, Kevin Durant, has DeAndre Ayton, and I'm not sure if all those players are going to stay, but Frank Vogel is um, uh, signing with the Phoenix Suns, and I think he got a pretty hefty deal too, I think a five-year deal that he got. So former Laker head coach Frank Vogel, Lakers won an NBA championship with, is staying in the West, is staying in the uh, – uh, or is coming back – um, and, and by the way, just real quick on Frank Vogel, and this is going to be more about the, the entire scope of the Western Conference and how everybody is going to be kind of desperate making moves. Um, but staying here with Frank Vogel for a quick second. Vogel is, um, 
his his championship time with the Lakers, I thought he did a really, really good job with the Lakers in a really tough position, a tough situation. It, it clearly wasn't the guy that the Lakers were. It was Ty Lue, it was Monty Williams, and then it was Frank Vogel was like the third option there. And he did a fantastic job with the Lakers, whether you liked him or you didn't like him. I think roster construction in that year with Russell Westbrook is really what drove him out of town, and that's not all his fault. Um I think his time with the Indiana Pacers, he was incredible and really gave the Miami the Miami Heat with Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron James a run for their money uh, and, and took them to seven games with Paul George and, and Lance Stevenson and Roy Hibbert and David West. You guys remember that team. So I think he's a good coach, and I think he'll do a good job with the Phoenix Suns. Um, but what I really kind of more of the, the angle or the conversation that I wanted to have on this has less to do with that. It has more to do with, look how many teams right now are going all in in the Western Conference. I mean, look how many teams right now are going to do everything they possibly can this offseason to give themselves. Everyone's under pressure. Literally every every team in the Western Conference is under pressure. The Denver Nuggets are already in the NBA Finals. You know what they're going to do. Uh, the Sacramento Kings, an up-and-coming team that have been really, really good this past year, and they're only going to grow on what they were able to build off of in their experience. The Phoenix Suns, their new owner, Matt Ishbia, um, he is not messing around, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if DeAndre Ayton is traded, or they're just using him differently, or Chris Paul is traded. If they're able to get, they got to get more depth, so they're going to obviously go all in as well. The Clippers don't. Steve Ballmer's going all in. Period. Um, now, what that means and what that eventually turns out to looking like, I'm not sure, um, but I will say that uh, he clearly, clearly. The, the, the Clippers are all in on what they're trying to do. The Golden State Warriors, I don't know what's going to happen to them, but they've been all in for 10 years, so why would anything change there? You got young up-and-coming up teams like the Pelicans, the Oklahoma City Thunder, Minnesota will be in the mix, uh, the Dallas Mavericks obviously clearly trying to make some noise. Um, there are so many teams all in right now in the Western Conference, including the Los Angeles Lakers. So it's just going to be it's going to be fun to watch. I think it's going to be a little crazy to watch, but at the same time, I think it will be exciting to see what happens this offseason. The Lakers aren't the only ones. Now you got one or two teams competing in the West. You got five, six, seven, eight teams that think they got a shot in the Western Conference, and that should certainly be very, very interesting. Okay, uh, when we come back, Yovan Buha is going to join us here and uh, get his thoughts on some of the rumors going around around the Lakers, get his thoughts on Anthony Davis, get his thoughts on the NBA Finals. I haven't even got a chance to talk NBA Finals yet. We'll do all that coming up next. Uh, appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. Got a uh, frequent guest of the show. Always appreciate his time. Jovan Buha covers the Lakers and the NBA for The Athletic, uh, taking some time. Uh, Jovan, first off, uh, thank you uh, as always. Hopefully the offseason for the Lakers gives you a, a, a second to exhale, which I know I'm lying when I say because uh, there's always stuff around the Lakers. But as always, I appreciate the time. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. How, how you doing? I, I'm good. I'm, I'm gonna start off with this. There was um, one of your, uh, obviously, one of your coworkers, Sham Sharania of the Athletic, as well. I'm, I want to just go through his tweet here for a quick second this morning and just get your initial thoughts on it, and then got some Lakers stuff to get into and got some NBA Finals stuff to get into as well. But Shams had put out a tweet this morning. Kyrie Kyrie Irving has reached out to Lakers star LeBron James in attempts to see if James would come to Dallas. Irving is a free agent this offseason. Um, just from from your world, your perspective, I, I know this is a, a lot of the stuff that you do behind the scenes as well. What do you make of of Shams' tweet earlier this morning? What, what, what do you just make of the concept of Kyrie reaching out to LeBron? Yeah, well, I, I, what, what I make of it is that it, it appears that Kyrie Irving is leaning toward re-signing in Dallas, and Dallas, of course, uh, can offer him the most money, the, the biggest contract this offseason. Um, I also look at it as... Uh, Kyrie, you know, is probably sending a signal to the Lakers and to other suitors uh, that he is not willing to take a discount in free agency and uh, that if, you know, because the the two paths for the Lakers to acquire Kyrie Irving are either clearing the cap space, which they could get to about 30 to 35 million in cap space, uh, depending on the, you know, the specifics of the moves that they make. Uh, and but that would be uh, you know uh, upwards of ten plus million uh, you know uh, in terms of a discount for Kyrie. Uh, his max with Dallas would start at about forty seven million, depending on where the salary cap ends up being exactly. So I, I think this is kind of a combination of Kyrie sending the the signal of I'm going to prioritize money this off season. Uh, I'm not looking to take a discount and. Uh, if you guys want me, you're going to have to trade for me. Um, uh, otherwise, I'm just staying in Dallas. Uh, but the flip side, um, you know, I, I spoke with multiple people around the Lakers today, and, and everyone, you know, unanimously was in agreement, and, and this is something I've previously reported now a couple times, that the Lakers aren't interested in adding Kyrie Irving, and, you know, be it gutting their, their depth and clearing out a bunch of cap space and, and basically – recreating the Russell Westbrook situation, you know, with, with Kyrie in his place and, um, you know, the most scenarios that could keep Austin Reeves um, or trading for Kyrie and, and then hard capping themselves. So I think, you know, it continues to be from the Lakers side of things. Um, we want to run this back, you know, potentially upgrade the point guard spot. And, and maybe there is some form of, of a D'Angelo Russell sign and trade or, or just looking at to get a, a you know, better playmaker there. And while Kyrie Irving would qualify, 
um, from, from what I've been told, the, the Lakers aren't interested uh, in making that happen. So, um, you know, I've also been told it's, it's very unrealistic that uh, LeBron would end up in Dallas. I mean, th- that would have to either be a trade, which Dallas doesn't have much to offer for the Lakers. Uh, if you just look at their, their roster and, and their draft assets, um, you know, something like Tim Hardaway Jr., Davis Bertans, uh, you know, Jalen Hardy, like, or I mean, sorry, Jaden Hardy, like th- those guys just aren't moving the needle for the Lakers. And you could throw in a couple picks. They could trade the, the number 10 pick on draft night and then a future first. But like the Lakers could get more for LeBron James if they were to make him available. Uh, and then LeBron would have to take a buyout to sign with Dallas. So uh, that would be an unprecedented move and he'd be giving up tens of millions of dollars. So I, I just realistically, um, you know, I, I think that, that there's some type of leverage play going on here. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but, uh, you know, my kind of read on the situation and talking to multiple people today, it's, you know, the, the Lakers r- remain uninterested in acquiring Kyrie Irving. And it seems to be Kyrie is, is you know, indicating that he's going to take the money this summer, whether it's, you know, staying in Dallas or re-signing in Dallas and then being traded elsewhere. Yovan Bua taking some time to join us here on Lakers Talk. Um, Yovan, you mentioned uh, D'Angelo Russell's name, and yeah, I, I think it was clear. Lakers, they, they lose the series to the Denver Nuggets. They needed D'Lo to just really have an impactful performance, at least on the offensive side, and he, it didn't happen. Now, that doesn't mean his numbers were awful all playoffs because that wasn't the case. Um, how, how much do you look at D'Lo and you think that he's going to be a part of the future of the Lakers, uh, he's going to be a part of next season for the Lakers, or – do you think the, the the odds would be greater that D'Angelo Russell ends up somewhere else? I'm just kind of curious of how you perceive D'Angelo on the Lakers. I think the odds of D'Angelo staying with the Lakers are, are greater than not, uh, but I, I do think the Lakers are going to explore their options and see if, um, you know, Kyrie, I, I think Kyrie is possible, but, but I would say very improbable, uh, again, based on the conversations I've had, but um, you know, a, a name that's been out there is, is Trey Young. Um, you know, is, is, can the Lakers cobble together a, a trade package to, to interest Atlanta? Um, you know, another realistic possibility would, would be Fred Van Vliet uh, in, in free, you know, either in free agency or, or a sign in trade. Um, so th- there are some options out there that I think are, you know, battle tested. Uh, of course, Kyrie won a championship, Fred Van Vliet won a championship. Trey Young has led his team to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, so, so all those guys kind of come with their own playoff successes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, – I do think that, you know, D'Angelo struggled more in the first couple rounds than uh, people are, are, are maybe discussing. Like, I, I don't think um, – you know, I, I think I've, I've seen people make kind of the, the counterpoint that, well, you know, it's not – you know, yes, he, he was bad in the Conference Finals, but look at the first couple of rounds. But – I think if you if you kind of go back and watch, like the, you know, there are a couple of those games where he, he finished with you know 15, 17 points, but some of that was kind of in the fourth quarter of a blowout where, uh, you know, yeah, he scores seven, eight, nine points, but um, you know, it, it didn't really matter in the context of the game. So it definitely had some big games against Memphis and, and Golden State, but I felt the the production was up and down. And this is a guy who's making you know thirty one million dollars this year would like to be making 20 plus million moving forward. But uh, I, I think it's kind of hard to justify that when you look at 
the totality of the Lakers' playoff run, uh, I think most would agree he was their fifth or sixth best player. Like I, I think you could comfortably put AD, LeBron, Austin Reeves, and Rui Hachimura above him, and then it's probably him or, or Dennis Schroeder battling for that that fifth spot. So, um, you know, he, he was a guy who was paid as a legitimate star, all-star level guy, uh, you know, is a former all-star, former number two pick. Uh, but I, I don't think he played at that level uh, for, for most of the playoff run. So if you're the Lakers, I, I think they have most of the leverage in this situation. If you, if you look at the teams that have cap space, you know, most of them either have young point guards that they're investing in or just D'Angelo doesn't really fit the timeline. So I think if you're the Lakers, you're kind of like, you know, go get that offer that's over 20 plus million, uh, which probably isn't going to happen. Otherwise, we're just going to offer you, you know, 18 to 20 million a year and you could take it or, or leave it. Um, but I think more likely than not, he, he ends up staying. But I think the number could be lower than people are initially anticipating. Unless like, Lakers could just offer him a two year deal and, and front load it and, and, you know, have that be a little bit of a higher figure to kind of stay face for him and, um, just align him on the timeline with LeBron and AD. But if it's anything past two years, which would push him past LeBron and AD in, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, aligning the contracts, uh, I do think it'll be something, you know, a little bit lower, uh, either around 20 million or possibly under. Jovan, um, I spent a little time earlier in the show talking about Anthony Davis and that's kind of throughout the question to Laker fans. Did this season change your perspective on AD uh, did he build some additional equity? Uh, he ended up playing 56 games this year. And really after that injury against Denver in mid-December, uh, he missed five weeks and then he was there for the rest of the time. Only missed some back-to-backs just based off of what uh, the Lakers, uh, um, uh, at least the doctors were recommending Anthony Davis do. I think he solidified that, okay, he's almost more times than not, I mean, pretty much every time that he plays that he's the best defensive player on the floor, and then that his offense kind of fluctuates a little bit. How did you view AD's season? I mean, did you did you get more encouraged of what you've seen from Anthony Davis in the past, or is it kind of the season that you were expecting? Uh, I think I'm more encouraged uh, exiting this season. Um, as you said, uh, you know, I, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but he ended up playing uh, the, the most consecutive games. I, I want to say it was 30-something or, or, you know, close to 40 uh, to, to close out the season that he had played uh, in several years and, and you know, longer than, than he had played in, in L.A. and I think dating back to, I want to say the 2017-18 season in, in New Orleans um, what was the last time he had played, you know, that many games consecutively. So, from a health perspective, I, I think there was you know stuff to be encouraged by. Uh, as you said, defensively, uh, I thought he returned to a level we hadn't seen from him maybe since the 2019-2020 uh, season. Uh, you know, I voted for him uh, on the all uh, defense second team. Uh, you know, I think had he played a little bit more, he would have been a defensive player of the year candidate. And for my money, he was the best defender in these playoffs, and I don't really think it was close. Uh, with, with whoever you want to pick second. So uh, from from that perspective, I, I think AD really reaffirmed himself as um, you know a top 10 guy. I, I think, honestly, looking at the, the totality of the season, he was probably the Lakers' best player overall. Um, you know, if, if you're kind of nitpicking between him and LeBron, um, 
I would say AD's performance was was probably more consistent overall um, when factoring in both sides of the ball. Now, offensively, I, I think we, we saw in the playoffs with um, some of the ups and downs that he, he still you know might not be that that number one offensive option that the Lakers uh, would, would probably like him to be, and you know what could restructure their offense around. Um, we, we haven't really seen that guy since. Uh, probably the, the 2020, 2021 season. Uh, but, you know, aside from that, which, which still, um, you know, he, he was 26, 27 points a game in the regular season, uh, still around 23, 24 in the playoffs. Like, it wasn't like he was, um, you know, he, he did have a couple duds, but I think for the most part, it was a little overblown, uh, some of the offensive inconsistencies. But I think that that's the only kind of thing you, you can point out of, um, you know, you'd like to see him be more aggressive, more assertive, and, uh, part of that's on him. Part of that's on the coaching staff with, with the offense that they're running. Part of that's on the guards and, and making sure AD gets the ball more. But uh, you know that, that was kind of one of the the only knocks I feel like you, you could put on AD this past season. But aside from that, um, and, and again, maybe the Lakers add another playmaker that that helps address some of those things. Um, I, I thought AD had a nice bounce back season and, and probably his best overall season since the title year. Yo, Vaughn, uh, always appreciate the insight. Always appreciate your perspective. So thank you for taking the time. Of course, man, anytime. All right, that is uh, Yo, Vaughn Buha of The Athletic. Um, interesting stuff right there. It, it really is. I, I thought his take also on Anthony Davis basically being the best player this year, okay, that that's not that off. Um, I know AD at some point is going to be, I think in August will be, um, we'll have the opportunity to get a three-year extension and, I talked about it a little bit this morning with Travis Rogers. Look, I'm I'm more encouraged with AD. You just got to kind of know what the ceiling is and, and take it from there. Um, all right, uh, Lakers Talk is presented by Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Oil changes, uh, oil changes, tire rotations, transmission care, and more. Just pull up, drive in, and drive out in about 15 minutes. Visit SoCalOilChange.com for location and game-winning coupons off your next Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Final thoughts, plus I want to get into the NBA Finals. We'll do that coming up next. Stay right here at Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. All right, thank you again to uh, Jovan Buha making it happen there. Um, okay, only got a few minutes left here, so I do want to just hit on the NBA Finals real quick. Um, you know what I find interesting? I find interesting that um, – that or interesting slash confusing. I really kind of didn't understand this narrative that the Heat have no chance to make this a series against the uh, the Denver Nuggets. I, I think that – and I'm not trying to tell you that the Heat are going to beat Denver, but why wouldn't it be a series? You go look at, and I really, really enjoyed last night's game, Denver tying up the series one apiece, the ball, the, the game coming down to the final possession, Jamal Murray with a chance to tie the game, and uh, hits a fadeaway three and is not able to do it. But what I'm confused about is, tell me why Miami can't make this competitive. They play defense. They have dogs. They can shoot the three. They have a player that can take over at any time in Jimmy Butler. They have a big man in Bam out of Bayou that can do a little bit of everything. Um, the competition that they went through, they went through the Milwaukee Bucks, the New York Knicks, and the Boston Celtics. By the way, Milwaukee and Boston have the two best records in the NBA. Um, they fight. They compete. Eric Spolstra is as good of a coach as you can possibly have in the NBA. Um, their confidence. I, I love this. Their confidence after losing game six the way they did against the Boston Celtics was we're going to somehow find a way to go to Boston and win game seven. 
and they did that. And they absolutely blew them out. I think it's admirable how confident they are in each other, and not in a cocky way, just confident they can get it done, that they really, really do believe. Um, it's been kind of – it's been interesting to hear how nobody's really given them a shot. Well, they did exactly what they needed to do in grabbing game two and getting the split in Denver – and now the pressure's on the Denver Nuggets to got, try to go figure it out and go on the road. I thought they they have the ability to muddy the water. They also have the ability to play, uh, you know, good basketball, and that's what you know Miami has done. Uh, now it's up to Denver. This is the first time the Denver Nuggets have faced any adversity in the playoffs, and now they got to go to Miami to try to figure it out from there. But uh, for all those that are thinking Miami can't make this a series. Help me understand why they can't make it a series. They got good players on the other side, and they've also been battle tested this entire playoffs. I mentioned beating the uh, the Bucks and the Boston Celtics, so should be a good NBA Finals, tied one apiece. I'm looking forward to the rest of uh, rest of the series. Um, okay, quick shout out here. Thank you to Michael Funches. Thank you to Laura Romo. Thank you to Mara Ruiz. Everybody that took some time to listen to tonight's show, greatly do appreciate it. I'm back on tomorrow with Travis Rogers. Um, thank you uh, for tuning into the show. LA, have a great rest of your night.